If you felt any of the following, you might be struggling with resentment. If you're feeling more than one right now, then you really might be struggling with resentment. So here's one. It is difficult for you to listen to other people share their success stories. We've actively heard people tell us this. Welcome to the CDM Podcast, a production of Contagious Disciple Making. We exist to catalyze movement through coaching, community, and communication. We created this podcast to help everyday Christians become world-changing disciple-makers. This is the CDM Podcast. I'm Paul Watson. This is Rebecca Ewing. Like, share, five-star rate, review this podcast. You can listen to our full premium content by becoming a $5 a month supporter on our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash faithworks, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash faithworks, or click on the link in the description. To those of you who support this podcast, thank you. Your support helps us put tools in the hands of men and women like you who want to experience a disciple-making movement in their own neighborhood. Now, several of you know, or many of you know, that this semester we added a book club element to CDM University. We've actually been working through a book called The 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do, which I highly, highly recommend. Uh, One of the chapters in that is Mentally Strong People Don't Resent Other People's Successes. Now, resentment is something that Rebecca and I see disciple makers battle all of the time. What I really like about having this book club is it really, you know, it allows us to be able to see how important it is for us to be maintaining our thought life. I mean, this used to be a topic that was talked about a lot amongst Christians, and perhaps nowadays it's more about, uh, you know, maintaining fear or maybe, you know, our identity or something like that. But used to be we uh, but really what it is is we need to be able to think like a person who is going into battle and and be able to handle tough things and hard things and and you know and so you know the fact is is movement is hard you know trying to see people come to know Jesus is hard you know Satan doesn't want that to happen and so he attacks people with all kinds of you know, mental struggles and tricks and things like that to get us stuck, to get us weak so that we will continue or we get distracted or maybe get sucked into sin. And the, in the area, uh, you know, so when we're, when we're talking around and talking through this book, that these different habits, we're seeing how these things can really undercut us as we're trying to seek movement, as we're trying to make disciples, as we're trying to do, you know, seek the kingdom Because not only are we human and so therefore sinful and broken or just, you know, fragile and, you know, finite beings, but also there's a very real Satan that wants to also attack us in this area. And this is definitely an area that Satan attacks us is the idea of resenting other people's successes Uh, because movement's a big deal. And, Mm -hmm. you know, people want to be known as a person or part of the people that see movement happen. And, and unfortunately, sometimes it's not just because we just genuinely want to see people come to know Jesus. It's also there's a bit of status with that. 
Yeah, it was interesting. When movement started, my dad was involved in, in that whole process. They literally were just trying to reach unreached peoples. Mm-hmm. And then they saw this phenomena happen of churches planting churches, and they called it a church planting movement. Later on, we just changed the term to disciple-making movement in order to define what we were doing. But it was never meant to be a prescriptive term, like you're supposed to do this. It was only meant to be a descriptive term, like this is something that we see happening. But once we saw the shift into it being a prescriptive term, this is something that's our goal, then all of a sudden we saw a lot of different things happen. We watched foundations come in and offer more money as part of grants if an organization would get trained to do movement. We saw all, and as a result of that money shift, then we started to see organizations shift their message to say, I want to do movement. And now it became a competitive thing. And that's where I've seen resentment rise up. It's like, oh, that person got money that I thought I deserved. And if I had that money, then I would be able to do that thing. I actually sat down with a missionary one time who was pretty angry at my father. And uh, as his son, I find out about this as he invited me out to dinner and proceeded to tell me how frustrated he was with my dad because he remembers being a a missionary in in Latin America. And he was like, well, if I had had all the money that your father had had, I could have seen like that many results too. And I just had to tell him, I said, you realize my dad didn't have money. This was his budget. And once the guy realized that, he went, oh no. And he realized he'd spent all of this time resenting my dad and the attention he'd gotten based on a lie. And, and once he knew this, then he ended up contacting my father, apologizing for it and all of that. So resentment, he ended up wasting years resenting my dad and his work. And I have seen as this kind of stuff has creeped up, I've watched resentments really start to form in the church community and in the movement community too. What people don't realize is the fact that, you know, at, maybe they do realize this, but at the beginning... You know, as David was seeking movement, um, it was not popular. He he had to, you know, basically fight back the mission board to say, no, just give me some time. I I believe this will work. And and, uh, you'll hear it in one of our previous podcasts about how he found his first five leaders, about how, you know, when he was first coming to tell people about you know, how he was going to go about trying to seek movement and make disciples in the, you know, and through this different way than the traditional way, you know, he spoke to a room of 300 pastors and only one person was interested in hearing him and what he had to say, a youth pastor. And so, you know, it was not something that drew attention, gave status, was something that everyone oohed and awed over. And, and so, you know, the, but however, it's become something where do you want to be the next person starts movement? But here's the thing, you know, whether you're seeking movement and you, you maybe you're listening and like, I, you know, I just want to see some people come to know Jesus. You know, this also happens in a lot of other modes and ministries too. There's the bigger church down the road. There's the, the other ministry that seems to be getting more attention than, than me. There's that individual, uh, you know, that uh, I'm a part of the same team with that seems to be getting a lot more fruit than me at the moment. And, 
you know, whatever level of ministry that you're at, you know, whenever you're trying to seek a goal or something, Satan can come in and also just our human nature. Because, right, James says that all he does is kind of inflame what already our Mm -hmm. weaknesses are and just comes in and says, you know, "Ah, that person, if I could just, if I had it as easy as them, or if I had those things, I bet you I could be successful too. Or, you know, um, man, I wish I had what that person had. Or what does that person, why does that person deserve all that? You know, and, and, and we just start getting, instead of celebrating other people's successes, we realizing that, hey, look, and I didn't do it, but we're all glad this happened, right? We start resenting it. Because we mm-hmm. don't feel as successful as we want to be. Yeah, and that, we're going to unpack a little bit about that. So let's dive in some into some definitions here. So like jealousy, envy, what is what is all of this stuff and how does it work? Well, I, I love the idea that uh, the author of this book goes into jealousy can be described as I want what you have. Resentment over someone else's successes goes further. It's I want what you have, and I don't want you to have it. Mm-hmm. You know, resentment will absolutely tear you apart. Nelson Mandela quoted in the book, he says, uh, resentment is like drinking poison and then hoping it will kill your enemies. And resentment is, as Rebecca's already mentioned, one of the enemy's t- biggest tools to steal, kill, and destroy. Right. So you may be sitting there thinking like, uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if I necessarily struggle with resentment, you know, maybe a thought here and there, but, but one of the great things is that the book actually, as with each chapter gives you indicators, uh, in other words, examples of how you could be thinking in this negative way. This was so shocking. I mean, when we go through that, I mean, you you come into this chapter and you're like, I'm pretty good. I don't deal with resentment. Maybe it was that Christmas present my brother got that I wish I had gotten or that cruise my friend went on that I wish I could have gone on. But, you know, I got over that. I've talked about it with Jesus. I don't deal with resentment. But then we start going through the list. And I think you're going to be surprised just as I was surprised over how many things that you might struggle with or have struggled with in the past. Okay, diving right in. It says, uh, if you felt any of the following, you might be struggling with resentment. If you're feeling more than one right now, then you really might be struggling with resentment. So here's one. It is difficult for you to listen to other people share their success stories. We've actively heard people tell us this. You know, Mm -hmm. here at CDM, at the beginning of each uh, meeting, we, we, we celebrate. We say, who has stories of what God is doing? And so we're always celebrating stories. And we've had people admit to us, you know, like it was hard for me to listen to other people because they've been feeling lately that they've been unsuccessful. But the thing is, Mm -hmm. is that Paul and I try our best and always, you know, say like, hey, we're praying for each other. So if this person wins, we all win because we're all seeking the same goal together. Mm-hmm. That's right. So here's another one. You think you deserve more recognition for your accomplishments than you actually receive. Now, that's a big one, guys. If you've ever, you know, we all at some level want people to acknowledge what we've done. 
But there comes a point in time where it moves beyond just wanting people to acknowledge what we've done and then to actually sit there and say, hey, we deserve that, that accolade that they got. Remember, resentment is wanting what other people have and wishing they didn't have it. And so if you feel like you deserve recognition that was given to someone else that they shouldn't receive it at all, and then you should get it, then you might be struggling with resentment. And, you know, there might be some instances where perhaps that might be true. Maybe you literally did do something and somebody else is trying to grab the credit for it. So we're not talking about those very truthful things that you might be feeling at that point. But, you know, what it is is that these are disjointed things where Mm -hmm. you know that this person, you know, tried and went out there and did the same thing you did and they just were more successful but still you sit there and are like harumphing and saying well I've worked twice as hard and I haven't gotten that recognition you know another one is you worry that people perceive you as a loser I'm actually going to say that this one kind of gets me sometimes because I have to say you know when you are somebody who is trying to train and teach others in disciple making you're always You know, sometimes there's that worry of like, you know, maybe I'm not going to measure up. Maybe, you know, and people are going to see that. Some people call it imposter syndrome or something. Mm -hmm, But, mm -hmm. you know, if it can get out of hand, it can make you worry more about, you know, uh, about things you really shouldn't be worried about. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And I think to add something more to what you said earlier, we're not talking about those little twinges when these come in and that are quickly dealt with and dismissed as foolish. That's not what we're talking about. Mm. We're talking when this settles in for a prolonged period of time as an attitude, or you have multiple ones of these layered, or it's your initial reaction most of the time, not just once in a while. And you definitely know if it becomes a problem when you start acting or changing what you do based upon some of these worries or fears. That's right. So another one of these is you feel disgust rather than joy towards people who are able to achieve their dreams. Hmm. Oh my goodness. I want to always be someone who celebrates other people's successes, but I know and have heard and have times felt the, that little twinge when uh, when we see somebody being celebrated and, and achieving what they want, and I have it and I've worked so hard, I know how rough it is. But if that becomes a prevailing attitude, then that's a problem. Well, you know, it's, it's what is it, Facebook syndrome, where you look on there and right. everyone else is experiencing the joy you wish you had. The real, Again, the reality is, is that movement is hard. And, yeah. you know, Satan, life is hard. Life is hard. Movement is hard. Trying to see people come to know Jesus is hard. So there's going to be large stretches of your life which you're going to feel like, man, all my life is a struggle. And then you look over at other people that seem to be getting everything that they want. And you're like, ugh, you know, you say that can, that can rise up in you. And what we need to do is recognize those things and deal with them and not let them mm-hmm. grow in our thoughts and hearts. Now, here's an interesting one that, that many of our listeners might not struggle with, but uh, I want to put a different twist on it. So it's hard to be around people who make more money than you do. Now, a lot of you guys are pretty altruistic. You don't care much about money. You wouldn't be doing what you're doing if you cared about money, although we do like to be able to eat. So I'm not right. saying that. I was supposed to say, okay. I'm in the wrong field if I was doing this for money. <laughs> right. But let's change the word money. You, it might be hard to be around people who um, make more disciples, baptize more people, plant more churches, speak at more events, speak at larger venues, teach more people, have published books, 
have people call them all the time for advice. I mean, you could fill in this blank and and make it pretty applicable, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, goodness, um, is that something that I struggle with? So there's another one, and this was closely tied, I think, to the idea of that being a loser that you were talking about, Rebecca, earlier, but it's this one where you feel embarrassed by your lack of success. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's never a good, and good thing. And the thing is, again, we're all going to be there. We're all going to be stretches in our lives where things just feel stuck. Things aren't working like we, we think they should be. Uh, you know, uh, we say that the beginning of movement, there's a failing forward years mm-hmm, is at mm-hmm. the beginning. And so, you know, people can struggle so much with this lack of success. Sometimes they may even quit because, you know, they're, they're afraid of what people think, and they can't bear not being excellent at something, at least in their own minds. Yeah. The more successful you've been at anything else in life, the harder it will be when you try something new, particularly something as foreign as uh, movement in terms of retraining our instincts. And we have a whole podcast on retraining you your instincts that dive into that. Instincts. If you haven't, you should listen to <laughs> it. Retraining because your it's instincts. Not... <laughs> That's right. It's not it's not easy. Now here's another one. You talked about the idea of changing your behavior because of these these attitudes that you have. That's a sign that there's a problem. Well, there's this one. It says, "You sometimes imply to others that you're actually doing better than you actually are." Mm, now, this is a oh, huge goodness. problem when it comes to ministry and move not just movement, just ministry in general. We mm-hmm. I, you know, especially since we we get uh you know, we have people over us, we have donors, we have all these people. So we want to be able to, to look like we're successful. And a lot of times we, we change definitions, we change our goal, we shift our goals, we shift our language slightly to be, or maybe set goals that are just really kind of, they look like something, but they really aren't anything. Right. To be able to say, hey, we're successful. You know, a lot of times we struggle that inside the pro-life movement where a lot of bills that have been passed like do almost absolutely nothing. But hey, they look so great that we actually passed this pro-life bill. And so therefore keep on giving to those pro-life advocates that are, you know, always in the state house for you or or giving to and voting for some type of politician that says that they're for pro-life. And so, you know, only until recently have we actually started passing things that have actual some teeth to it. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's the same thing that can happen in movement and, and ministry. Yeah, one of my real frustrating things is I was, in the, I was in the room when we came up with the definition of movement. And one of the things that I have seen ministries do as the push to become more movement focused has has risen in, in later years is that they have taken and written their own definition of movement. In fact, I read one recently. It was like almost a page long. And I sat there and I looked at it and I was like, well, this could mean anything. <laughs> Anything could be defined as movement. Right. And it, it didn't help give direction. It didn't help give vision. It didn't set a mark to help people know if they have been successful. And, and it certainly was not the intent of the uh, worldwide group of men and women that were in the room when we were trying to describe what 
was our part of the equation to to see a, a disciple-making movement that resulted in a church-planting movement. And it's been very, very frustrating. I remember going up to a guy in a conference one time, and he says, oh, you know, we're doing radio in this country in order to uh, see a, a church-planting movement. And I said, oh, that's wonderful. What is a church-planting movement? Because I was curious as to what they meant when they said that. Blink, blink, blink. We want to see a church planting movement. <laughs> there was no definition. It was just a word given because it had become a buzzword a, a, and everything. So it's like in a this kink case, in the processing. It's like they were trying compute, to imply <laughs> exactly. They were, they were trying to imply that they had a goal mm-hmm. that they really didn't have, and they couldn't have had because they didn't know what they were yeah, talking they about. They couldn't even describe what it was. And, and so we've got to be really careful in this. It sneaks in in different ways that we're not implying. I mean, I'm a storyteller. Rebecca's a storyteller. And one of the things we have to really work on, and we get our interns to capture stories live as much as possible, because we want to be accurate in telling the stories of what God is doing, because we don't want to fall into a trap of overinflating or somehow pleasing our own egos. Yes. And just to be clear, our definition of, well, not just our definition movement, but the definition of movement that really uh, has been for ever, you know, for, for a long time is a hundred new churches planted every three to four years across to the fourth generation and multiple streams. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, this is a very, obviously you can hear a very specific definition. It's a rate of growth of when it comes to this. And it's, there's a reason for it. it. It's that it takes up to that to be able to see the movement continue through persecution, through trial, through outside leaders being taken out, and it'll continue going. Lower than that, and it falls apart. And That's so right. that, and the, the unfortunate thing is that as people have lowered the bar for to see movement and saying, oh, well, all you need is just these smaller groups just amongst fewer people and and things like that, the more that that's happened, the more that we're, re- we're basically saying we're not going to actually see a movement. We're going to see some cool things happen, but it's not just going to continue and continue. And even when the outside help gets pulled out and everything like that and, and stuff. So we can't lower the bar just to be able to say, hey, we did movement. Right, right. Or to make ourselves look better than we really are, because that may be a sign that there's some kind of resentment. I'm resenting someone else's success, so I'm trying to imply that I have more. Now, here's here's the last one we're going to talk about. You secretly experience joy when a successful person encounters misfortune. Oh, my goodness. This is a really bad space to be in. And uh, and the Bible talks a lot about this. We're not even supposed to rejoice, really. When, when our, our enemies, enemies fall, yeah. When our enemies, yeah, we have to be careful. We're about supposed that. to, we're supposed to, we're supposed to rejoice that justice is done, rejoice that wickedness is punished, that people are and safe, mourn, you know, everything. Yeah, and mourn for the people who who have fallen prey to wickedness. So it, that's the idea of a, of mocking and ha ha ha. You know, like that's uh, God says, like, hey, I'll pull back my hand of 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 judgment. You know, if, if you yeah. do stuff like that. So, but of course, obviously, at least what we're hoping is that these successful people in movement 
you know, they definitely don't deserve anybody wishing them ill. No, my goodness. <laughs> we're all working towards kingdom purposes. And get this, even if they're working with a less definition of movement, even all of that stuff, we want to see people come to know Jesus. And some people will come to know Jesus. That's what we all want. And we'll see the kingdom of God expand. And so we need to be celebrating one another. When that other organization gets a grant and I hear about it, I'm like, you know, I need to be the first one to write an email saying, man, I heard you got that grant. I am so glad that you're able to get the money that you needed. Or I heard that you guys just celebrated a thousand baptisms. I'm so glad you were able to do that. And that's what we need to do. Well, you know, and the thing is, is I, I feel like where a lot of this, re, you know, resentment can sometimes happen. Now, sometimes it's just bubbling up of like, ah, I just want to be successful and I'm so tired of, mm-hmm. of not being successful. But the other part of it could be just the fact of, you know, perhaps it's revealing our true motive that has secretly been changed, you know, morphed over time. We began with the best of intentions. I just want to see people come to know Jesus. But then slowly over time, our success, our personal success gets blended in with the cause, the mission. Mm -hmm. And so now suddenly we're... We're very taken with our personal success and how we look in comparison to other people. So like I said, it just kind of blends. So if we can't celebrate other people's successes, if we have a hard time being resentful to other people for these things, then it's a good sign that perhaps our actual goal and value has shifted away from seeing the kingdom growing to basically having something that stands for our own personal ambition and success in life. Now, I want to mention a caution right here is that you may sit there and have have identified with one of those. You may be a feeler like I am on the Myers-Briggs test, and you're going, man, I felt all of those things at one time or another. Am I a terrible person? I need to stop ministry in order to deal with this. (laughs) Just kidding. Yeah, right. No, no. You need. here's, Here's the thing. Once again, you are human. You're going to deal with some of these on and off throughout your life, but you need to ruthlessly address Mm -hmm. any vestige of resentment in your life or it will destroy you. And I don't believe that getting out of ministry for a time or taking a step back to examine your motives is the right way to do it. I think that that's you just falling into a ploy of Satan Mm -hmm. to, to do what he wants to do is get you out of the fight. But instead, you need to go before God and you need to ask him to, to, you need to confess them and you need to address it. So I'll tell you, I'm going to be very honest here and very open. Um, I was in my prayer shower in the morning because I, I pray in the shower and, uh, and I was talking to Jesus and he started bringing people to mind that I had not forgiven people from my past people. And then even some that I forgot, I thought I had forgiven, but really secretly hadn't forgiven, you know, and all of that. And he was like, you need to deal with this. And so one by one, I had to go and, and in my mind and, and revisit what had happened and then take it in front of God and ask him to forgive me and to set me aright in, in his eyes and then to make sure that I wasn't doing anything negative to those people. Now, most of them, I don't have any way to, to engage with them anymore, but he wanted me to make sure that I had dealt with it. Why? Because lack of forgiveness, just like resentment, destroys you and it taints your work it's actually a part of the the lord's prayer saying forgive us our debts as we Mm -hmm. forgive others and that wasn't just supposed to be a tag on we're supposed to be 
cleaning our hearts and making sure that there's not resentment in our hearts every day. And so guys, you know, that we talk about resentment destroying you, but there's an opposite side of saying not having resentment frees you. So, you know, uh, this is a quote from from the book that I really liked. It says, when you stop resenting people for their success, you'll be free to work towards your own goals. You'll have the desire to live according to your own values and you won't feel offended or cheated by people living according to theirs. Mm, that is so good. That is so, so good. Now, we've already been talking about and mentioned it kind of offhand a few times about one of the biggest ways the book says that you can overcome resentment. So maybe you're in that place. You've recognized that there's some places of resentment in your heart. Well, you need to go before God and you need to confess them and ask for forgiveness. And then you need to ask him to establish a right way of living inside of you. And here's the right way. One of the right ways that you can begin putting in is celebration. Mm -hmm. Okay. You need to get to a place where you can celebrate everybody's achievements before the Lord. And not even get to a place. Just start doing it. Just start doing it. Because eventually you'll start feeling it as you do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, just like you need to ruthlessly like remove resentment from your, your life, you need to ruthlessly pursue the celebration of God's work in and through other people. Now, please hear what I just said. When we resent other people, you know what we're really doing? We're resenting the fact that God worked in them and God blessed them. We're, we're, we're resenting God's work. We're resenting God's work. Oof. And so what's the opposite? I mean, yeah, that's a scary place to be, by the way. Very scary place to be. So what's the opposite of that? Getting to the point where we can see it and we celebrate God's work and that he is choosing. He is the master that has chosen to work this way through this person. And really, ultimately, what we're saying is, is that resentment, and, well, removing resentment and removing these things and celebrating other people and what God is doing removes us and other people from the equation. This is all about God mm-hmm. and what he's doing in this world and and, pe- and everything. And and whether I do it, whether you do it, is immaterial. I mean, obviously, immaterial. Okay, obviously we need to be obedient. That's not what I'm saying. But right. like yeah. whether the success comes through me or somebody else or more than so- somebody does it more than me is immaterial because it's not about me. It's not me ultimately that's, seeing, that is, that's happening here. It's, it's God. And so, you know, that's, right. that's what, uh, that, that's like I said, we need to do is just remove ourselves from the, the, the equation and just recognize God for what he is doing. That's right. We celebrate anything that Jesus would celebrate. And when we do, we have the freedom to have joy and live a life full of joy. And in our part two, we're going to be talking about how we make celebration a core element and what we do in CDM. And, and this is not just like a, hey, we just like people to like each other. But we actually have a system. We actually have ways in which we do so. And so we're going to be talking about the power of celebration in our, our second half of our podcast. You've been listening to the CDM Podcast. I'm Paul Watson. This is Rebecca Ewing. We would appreciate it if you like, share, five-star rate, and review this podcast. Now, you can listen to our full premium content by becoming a $5 a month supporter on our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash faithworks, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash faithworks, or click on the link in the description. Rebecca's talked about it already. You're going to want to hear it. How do we get celebration into our culture? 
We'll see you there. Thanks for listening to the CDM podcast. To hear part two, become a supporter on our Patreon page. You can find the link in the description. For coaching or other resources, connect with us at contagiousdisciplemaking.com.